Welcome to Turn a Page, the official comic book club for Nerd Initiative. Each week, the NI Bullpen will be covering the world of comics, talking to creators, deep diving into some fantastic stories, and much more. Now let's hand it over to the team and turn a page. Welcome to a very special edition of Nerd Initiative's Turn a Page, the comic book club where we deep dive into your favorite stories and issues you need to go pick up at the shops. And this is a very monster episode because if you have not had April 3rd circled on your calendar for getting to the comic shop and picking up the return to Twilight City, you are doing something wrong, folks. I am so amped up about this. I almost forgot to introduce myself. My name is Ken M. I'm the host of the ODPH podcast. I'm also Nerd Initiative's comics editor-in-chief. Joining me on the special interview is the dynamic duo of drafts and dialogue, bringing you that pop culture dialogue that you need every single week. It's Matt and Lauren from Hops Geeks News. What's going on? Up. I'm super excited to be here. I've been loving Minor Threats and the alternate, so I'm just ready to get this interview started. Yeah, telling me all about it. So let's do this, Ken. It's a special issue that's going to be dropping April 3rd via Dark Horse Comics. And we are very fortunate to have the creative team behind this book on the show this week to talk about Minor Threats and why you need to have that in your collection, the alternates, and this book, The Fastest Way Down, dropping April 3rd. First joining us, you know him as one half of the co-creators of Modox animated series for Hulu and also from Modox Head Games is Jordan Blum. Jordan, what's going on? Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Also, the co-writer of Minor Threats, The Fastest Way Down. You know his work every time you see him on screen or in wherever you catch the name. You definitely have to go support it, whether it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Happy, The Voice of Matthew, The Raven, Ratatouille, and currently in one of my favorite podcasts, who is no one being the voice of Teddy Barstow and solving the Massiverse's biggest murder mystery is the one and only Patton Oswalt. Patton, what's going on? Hi, guys. Yes, you must support the name. I love that phrasing. Absolutely. I'm saying you must support <laughs> the name. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I love last, it. thank you. Oh no, thank you. And last but certainly not least, you know his work from such books as Orchid, Drax, and Deadpool, amongst countless others. It is Scott Hepburn. Scott, what is going on? Much, man. Thanks for supporting the name. Be here. I did to talk about the new book. Oh yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. No, we can definitely hear you. And I mean, okay. we have got so much to deep dive into because this whole universe that you have all created really caught my attention. Like we said off air, Lauren has been raving about this for months. Every time we have our group chat, anytime an issue comes out, she's like, have you picked this up yet? Because you guys need to. And obviously the work speaks for itself, but how did the whole story of minor threats and the creation of Twilight City come about? Uh, I mean, well, is well, I mean, what happened was I had it for a Batman story where I wanted to look at, you know, when the Joker breaks up, come the standard story, um, who as they work their way up the information chain, it's the C-level villains, it's the street villains, it's the basic working class. Um, and so, I, and then I was talking to Jordan, we had done some work for Marvel, I had done some work for DC, and <clears throat> we were like, are you going to break your ass on the story, be an IP that you own, and ultimately it'll just be one of another. Why don't we create our own universe with Jordan had this great phrase really it, it was our kind of one of our guiding beacons which is let's create a city where 60 years of comic book nudity is there in the background 
down. I need to go into it, explain every single thing that happened. Like, you know, after a massive crisis, after some weird interdimensional event, uh, it's repaired. So it's just, uh, and then we decided to build up from there. So again, a major villain kills a major hero's side and the heroes are coming down like a ton of bricks on the sea level um, criminals. And what do they decide to do? Well, if we hand this A-level criminal over to the A-level. We get a little bit of credit in the favor bank. We can go back to our lives. I'm not trying to do some weird art crime, some esoteric bit of evil. I want to rob a jewelry store, fence that jewelry, get the money, live high for a while, doing what. So, you know, in a weird way, <clears throat> in a very weird way, they want to bring back law and order. They need the law order of twilight city so that they can then bring law on me I, I feel like when we first started talking to scott who we had worked on uh head games with scott draws XT comics i can't work mm-hmm. with what else how are we gonna do this um is we brought up that yeah that like this is a lived in i think he started pitching all of like you know fallen kaijus and we talked about the time and stuff like it became clear like oh this is going to be the path of um uh, comic it survived the night in a city that again has these things every every book has some storyline we haven't even yeah. seen before to kind of deal with that and by the way there are things that scott has drawn into the background or just into the dressing that have spawned other stories and ideas like other like, series and, and it's that we can't talk about series we can't <laughs> talk about yet yeah. that was just oh that's a cool thing in the background and someone wait a minute What's that story? There have been a couple of panels, especially in volume two, where I had to catch up because they are so detailed and so full of visuals. And there have been a couple of times I'm like, there's too much this page. But then I realized is what a comic book world with 60 years of continuity would look like. It would be a visual assault being able to survive, able to take that all in. So I had to catch myself and go, no, he actually took our directive to heart. Mm-hmm. This is what that, that world. It helped with like Frankie too, of like, oh, we're going to do a second generation super villain. There's a whole past. There's a whole silver age to this unit we've mm-hmm. never seen. And she's next generation after that. So it just kind of implies the history that we like. I think that's the fun of comics is that we're, we're always jumping into a story that's, backstory to it and kind of excavating that you know what happened in the past with investing in kind of what's happened i think boys alone could tell a bunch of stories i'm sure each one of them has a story of their own yeah and some merch we need some frankie merch yeah we do yeah it's in the works we're talking lauren that's actually a really i never thought about that each of those story each of those toys because a lot of those toys were this could have been a little kid playing normal childhood but then every single one of them has been turned toward um making a buck with crime so in a weird way there's kind of tragedy to these very fantastical toys being used because each one of them is a chance for her to have a normal childhood that's gone right and from a previous crime i never thought how that yeah there's a story to be told in all of the toys that she's using huh see there's another one right there you said like every huh. little piece spawns something else huh. and uh I'm gonna a little off script. Okay, I'm sorry. The wheels are going. Sorry. All right, no, go I ahead. Sorry. No, go right thing. ahead. A little off script. Actually, what this just spawned a question for me is: you guys just talked about how you've worked on Marvel and all these like IPs that aren't your and creating creative own comp thing right now. What's that kind of like for you guys being able to just build your own universe and run as wild possible? 
store, what have you, and just not anybody looking over your shoulder. Well, obviously, we're inspired by a lot of the other creative-owned universes out there, Black Hand, um, especially Astro City. Astro City hit me like an atom bomb when I first read it. I thought, mm -hmm. oh, this is what it would be like if you lived in the D universe. No, you wouldn't know every single player in the game. The only DC book that came close to that was King. Kingdom, suddenly 30 years in the future know half these characters because the world is going so quickly i can't keep up with what's going on it was a weird visual analogy to older and you look at the cover of rolling stone or spin or people magazine and go oh god i don't know half these people what is going oh my god like so um we wanted to have that obviously jordan and i are very very circumspect about what goes into our universe we want to build it but we to give sensation of oh it's out of control to an out to someone looking at it there's much too much and again not to scott is the artist very very easy there are just so many details going on and i think it really makes them feel a little uneven under the readers yeah scott from a design point too what was it like kind of starting from scratch it's the version of the job uh it's a little daunting to realize there are no templates and there's no model sheets to start with you know what i mean in the entire design guess uh, yeah so to even begin the book there's a dozen characters and, and five major environment an overall design aesthetic for this neighborhood versus that neighborhood and this type of people have and this kind of i mean there's classes there's there's like within superhero uh strata there's different ages of superheroes and what that would for their funerary and like success rates of you know villains and heroes and what that would mean for you know are they living in a in a suit that they've had since is this a kid who's like sort of emulating an older hero that they saw and twisted in some way there's like there's like uh, a lot of juggling of that stuff but that's the fun part of designing things I kind of don't draw well, anything with it through different things. Yeah, yeah and, and there's a lot of visual um, shorthand in, in terms of, as you were saying, the different generations for supervillains. There's a point of pride and defiance in still wearing your supervillain outfit, even though you've been arrested multiple times, you're now out on the street. Whereas Frankie from the Asian, which is like, I don't need to wear it, wore it, uh, got yeah. me in jail. I'm, you know, so, and, and, and in, a, in a weird way, that kind of goes along with a lot of, the a lot of flashiness and the criminal under younger generations are like no actually play it the more low-key you play it the more money you make the more power so you see those different generations clashing with each other it's how you know frankie and um brain tease kind of kind of butt heads a lot of the times because he is still in that late 60s he's you you have some flash and some pride in this and she's like will you shut the fuck up <laughs> 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 from we've read comics superhero comics our whole lives and there's always that story that no one's touched yet right mm -hmm. that it's like bring this and i think for us it was we love these goofier silver age bronze age villains you know who were just meant to be the villain of given these kind of silly gimmicks and they were gone and then the green goblin comes back for a big major fight and yeah it, well who are these people and what is reality and real life taking something that is so kind of uh, big and flashy and, and kind of goofy and trying to find like the tree you put on a costume to rob jewelry stores and, and, and understand kind of the emotion and pathos behind that was like one change. But yeah, what if we, we focus in the gutter with these characters, you know, that no one really ever spends any time with? Yeah. Now, since 
We've seen so many different variations of between Marvel, DC, and the boys, and this goes more into creating your own. So you guys came up with some very unique superpower. So how did some of those superhero powers come about? And Scott, how was that getting to draw these powers for the first time? That's, uh, that's a, like what is the design of a character is visually how do their powers manifest if they are project do they for by propulsion or do you know what I mean like is the ground lifting underneath them you have to make a decision in one way or another and once you start thinking uh, once you start putting logic behind one you know say it's levitation then that means this kind of costume should be billowing rather than this or like it just there's like logic to the design steps that follow from it it all feels like uh more organic or more logical steps like i try and think of like she this person didn't just pick up a costume from her they response to what they needed a costume to be yep uh and i mean sometimes there's like just what's a fun looking thing but as i can i try and have uh the and the like uh the function of this character's abilities or refit in the is i think like edna mode i think we're also referencing so much to a minor touch we want you to be thinking flashes or you know yeah again those spider-man villains or batman villains like there's an era that i the power them reflect alternate was also very specific we were like we want you to be thinking of those dc characters who were sort of oddities that given to vertigo to to take forward and do things with so we wanted all the powers of the alternates to be those. This one talks to Crimson, and this one has the power of yes, monster. And you're like, yeah. this would be that weird thing that someone, you know, Len Wein <clears throat> created in Grant Morrison's like, I will take this insane with it. Yeah. And um, that's what we tried to kind of figure out with, with those characters. Yeah, I mean, it definitely uh, the, shines through. The, oh, sorry. Original, oh, the original minor threats are, are all analogs of minor DC villains, because in my original story, I was literally going to have a hidden Joker for villains that gets together to take down the Joker are literally a C-list. It's Calendar Man, Calculator, Crazy Quilt, Copperhead. So minor threats, you know, their Copperhead is Snake Stalker and, um, you know, the uh, uh, Crime Doctor is, is... So, like, there were these weird... What would that look like in a more realistic world? Especially when, you know, we, we gave them way more personality force of, let's take... They've each got their own problems and um, how does that affect their design? You know, Scalpel, she's a supervillain. I'd like to bring some couture, for God's sakes. I have... <laughs> expensive tastes whereas um brain tease is very much you i'm brain tease brain helmet to show these are your like there's different the the costumes kind of reflect the personalities brain tease weirdly reminded one but it was like a calm the way he's like thinking and calculating things like from the books not from the cartoon or right from the, right from right the show but how he's just like, like well all these noticing all these little things putting them together but it was like a comical version with an ego because obviously thrawn also is is not very ego in the book yeah yeah, well, yeah. But, i think that from like we you know when you have someone like what can we what challenge can we throw at him at this issue and how do you always embrace <laughs> comics is visual medium of like i can tell you someone things out but wouldn't it be cooler if i showed you his yes. point of view or the same thing with scalpel and how she diagnoses things like the, that was really the cool. beauty of like let's embrace the medium yeah. and also 
Scott's going to take whatever little idea we have and explode it into something way better anyway. Right. It's a comic book for being, it's a story for being a comic book. Like it's, there's, there's other ways of interpreting, uh, spelling or whatever, but we are very intentionally using the medium of comic books for the strengths and, uh, the things that it can do best. Uh, we're you know, not storyboards for a cartoon. It's, it's a medium of storytelling unto itself that is kind of, uh, very powerful uh, in that you can limitless budget and unlimited uh, scale of what you want to do visually or the complexity is as much as you can cram in uh, to the page and the audience controls time in a way that uh, other mediums don't. So you can something like, like hours looking at individual pages of comic books that I love from child and almost like anchors that story in your brain deeper because you've had this like single thing that you love so much to gloss over in time. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I love about comic books. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point actually. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's not like it's we're, we're simple and something catches your eye and then it's going to lead you to everywhere else on the page. And uh, I think that's one of the things that it does really well. It talk about viewpoints um, in both minor threats and alternates. You guys switch up the viewpoints of a lot of the characters. Were there any viewpoints that were easier to write or draw compared to others or that were just more readable to each of you guys? There were surprises like Scalpel ended up being a character that I didn't think was sympathetic or, you know, like we, we didn't have all the backstories we kind of let we wanted you to meet these characters as, as types you think they are and, and then for their pov you get a, a chance to kind of get in their head and see where they've come from and i think that was surprising for me what about you pat were there any that you were a little character <laughs> yeah i mean i we I, we kind of went out of our way because i wanted to keep we wanted to get attention on the team oh no one can really be trusted so we really made scalpel and uh brain tease kind of hateful characters in that first issue you they're not likable people at all they're very petty um they're very opportunistic and then when we went into their background you realize oh the reason that they react to horrible things that have been done to them and they were also reacting to some horrible choices that they've made and um yeah, I, I was very surprised that actually am rooting for a brain tease, even though I <laughs> went out of my way to write him as the biggest dead on the planet. And then you're rooting for him. But you, Scott, is there one that you were like, oh, I didn't think I'd love drawing this character as much? Uh, well, I, I think you could with my secret favorite character. I don't think we should reveal that just yet. Uh, the uh, We have a new book coming out that, that everyone will fall in love with, I'm sure it's gets announced but i I just the open world uh it just looking at how you construct this i'm i have been writing and to have jordan and Patton be such experienced writers and to see the perspective of uh mitten and and adding layers to it isn't about isn't about like mapping everything perfect from page one it's about and learning the characters and building out meaningful story to accommodate it uh and really eye-opening and making making me think of storytelling in a whole different way uh and the design stuff that i get to do uh just thinking about how to like twist the knife a little bit on things to like elevate what moments we're building and like maybe we didn't think of this moment from the early issue as as significant it could be but in the light of what's happened now we see some character dynamic that's grown from it and some new character angle and the 
the the way that we're sort of like organically growing our stories together is uh i don't even remember but that's (laughs) well i'd love to say we have a master plan and we are executing it perfectly but i think um what the first story was really interesting when we started volume two the the fastest way down where it came so organically out of the characters and where we left them and piece of story we didn't get to created new story i think um a lot of people really liked the character of snake stalker who was the one, one character did not get his flashback issue and i think fans of that character will be very excited by what happens in volume two and that even though he is continuing in a big way and it ended up becoming this big kind of plot engine but out of an emotional place of oh there's we love this character and there's more to him and we get to see um, I don't know. It's, it's been one of the most organic processes ever. And then it like it feeds off Scott's art, which feeding and back and forth. And it's been really fun to kind of stay loose while still having like a map along the right. way. So you can Very influence. reassuring to listen to interviews with like Vince Gilligan and Noah Hall. They talk about this. It was like, oh, there were we had no idea where this would end up. But we had something in our mind. And then we realized we went, oh, no, it'd be different. So, you know, like apparently the whole thing bad was something that they did not see coming. Same with every season of Fargo. Like sometimes the path is walking and that's what happens to us a lot of times when we're writing. Because mm-hmm, you learn yeah. more about the characters. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's what makes for the best. It's the same plan, anything you've you're not going to get the results you necessarily want. Whereas if you just are like, all right, Jesus, take the wheel, for example, and see where we take this. And I think you guys have just talked about here, it's grown very organically and it's wicked good. Not to get too hoity-toity, but very much like Pigeon Pete's app uh, (laughs) in in the first minor threats. We knew we had a destination. We knew we were always going to get right to stick in and what's going to happen when they found them but open how we get there and what they encounter along the way and what that reveals about them so that was that was a really cheesy way to answer that question (laughs) speaking of volume two jordan you actually made a comment uh comparing minor threats volume two to godfather two big comparison for only in quality just in quality. Now, no, no, well, at yeah. first I was like, wow, that's that's big ambitions. And then we actually got to have a little preview. And I agree with you. Oh, my God. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, I was not comparing quality. More of like structure. I, I understand. Yeah. Once I, yeah. Um, I don't think well, you're too big for your britches. But my, okay. my, <laughs> but my I think question. More, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry to ask your question. I, didn't mean to jump in. I was just going to ask had any mafia or mob kind of in writing this story but i want want you to go ahead and say what you were going to say as well yeah well it was it was going that way where um we are huge movie nerds Patton and i specifically will derail most of our writing sessions to watch something that gets us really excited yep uh and (laughs) we will uh yes uh because we it's a language right you know like cinema is language and we always have to be comic book super villainy and you know crime noir convention if the is yeah we talked about like everything from the warriors to fargo you know losers caught up in biting off more than they can survive the night what does volume two look like well where did we leave off with with frankie well she's about to declare herself queen pin what are these, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown kind of stories. And I think that's yeah. where we, we, we found the <clears throat> sprawling um, rise in crime empire kind of stories. So that's that's where the, kind of we pull from. Yeah. And especially dealing with Frankie, too. I mean, her powers are so impacted by her childhood and then lack thereof 
So in creating her origin, because I mean, I think she goes through the biggest progression from volume one to volume two. I mean, how did her origin story come about? Or was it the idea that her subconscious was always creating toys? I think, I mean, this is just my take on her. You know, she is growing up the daughter of a supervillain, not a worldwide supervillain, but one that is living at street level, doing pretty well. Um, you always want to somehow connect with your parents and she, it feels like she was left alone a lot with her toys while her mom was in jail or doing crime. I think her powers manifested that way. What is the way to impress my mom and gain status in this world? Mom is very, very, um, the queen is very, very aware of status and, mm. you know, comes from that era where that really, really mattered. And epigenetics, man, it gets passed down to kids, whether you want it to or not. Yeah, I, I think it's about fighting your nature too. Like she has a gift. And it's such a part of her history and her upbringing and where she came from. And she resents it because it has cost her a lot. But what happens when you're at what you do, whether you right. do it or not? And I think the first arc is really about her trying to run from it and the process of running from it, realizing damn good at it and why fight what you're good at. And we always knew this is a book about villains. So we can't just do a thing where like she's like no a book about villains should end with a villain being like i'm i love being a villain yeah. <laughs> this is an ode to this <clears throat> and we want to keep i think that's what separates the story from so much of what's out there is we don't get to see that perspective so where do we go next in, in the world well let's let's see when you know frankie goes when she claims power yeah, yeah I, I think loved her storyline that's one thing mm -hmm. you just on right there is you don't really love a lot of the villain things and when you do most of the time that they're busy just okay how can we make the villains good again so i think that's one of the things that stands out from this is you guys don't seem to be going that route it's very much like these are villains these are not good people we're going to keep them on that path and i think that's one of the things that really makes this story unique and she's going to struggle with it i think there's a lot of dark stuff that happens at the end of the first volume she i mean she kills <laughs> there's a body count and she yeah responds to some. we want to make every death count so even things like the insomniac that's not something she just walked away from. That's when she had a relationship with her entire life. It was the guy putting her in jail, and it was this innocent back and forth thing. And she murdered that guy after he tried to murder her. So, so she's not done with dealing with that. Right. She's and it's not done sure. dealing with her, even more importantly. Ah. Uh, uh, like now, <laughs> with the minor threats cameos that we also got in the alternates, uh, however minor they were, right? Do you ever like combine these stories more than just can we standalone nods like what do you guys see in that kind of going you know i answer is very similar to how we plot these books we don't know yet we're just telling each little story and trying to uh do it give it the justice that it deserves and we will see start to fall together you never know and it's it's creating something that is is fun and, and inviting to other <laughs> artists which sometimes if you're working at Marvel and DC, it's so fun to play with the toys, but you can't touch that one. We've got Civil War happening over here, Invasion over here, and like that. You got to mention that. And like we wanted to create a space where people could come in and add to the universe without feeling confined to it. A great example of like Tim coming in and I want to tell this kind of story with these kinds of characters. And we're like, well, we know how to loop. We can loosely tie it in with it being anything that anybody can just and read read the first yes. minor threats i think some of the spin-offs that are coming out it's uh, the writers in to connect them more yeah uh, in certain ways and others are like i'm gonna do my thing in this corner and we're like great 
because that's one of of these charities is that it's more about do you have an interesting story to tell from a point of view we've never seen than make Frankie fit into. I mean, it is always fun if once you're a fan of something and then you're reading the next thing, you're like, hey, I know, you know, that like, I call it the Leonardo DiCaprio moment, you know, hey. <laughs> Scott, yeah. you did that in, in volume two, right? Like you, you brought some of the alternates in little ways. Like there's a toy, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. I try and I try and like sneak hints of other things into the background anytime. Often Jordan and Patton will like where it's like uh, character enters busy room full of crazy amounts of stuff, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then they clap their hands together and walk away. And then, uh, you think, but it's those are the funnest things to draw. And uh, uh, when you're reading the book, I'm also the cover artist for other books. Like this, we we so far have the ultimates and and minor threats sort of publicly facing, but there's a mm-hmm. there's so much world building and so much exciting stuff happening that I'm, I'm still sort of the visual. Uh, I'm at the front end of, of covers and character designs and stuff like that for a lot of things. So I've already got on my table all these other things and character designs and I'm, and I can't help but uh, just start mixing it together. It's, uh, it's all to me, it seems like they were beside each other already on my table. Uh, I just sort of like shuffle them yeah, back yeah. and forth a little bit. It's fun because it's like some writer be like, fast food restaurant. We're like, oh, Scott created this whole mythology of a bite burger. Yeah. Like, <laughs> bite burger. Now. And it's like, because we are this encyclopedia of what's come. There's like and, literal and... menu items that are now part of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fast. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to have a pop up <laughs> yeah. menu somewhere that'll be an installation. Yeah. If we need Dark Horse. Yeah scott do you ever try so like you said they just kind of like here there's stuff in this room do you ever throw like easter eggs and things or just say like i mean it's only well, do you ever like play with you know jordan and Patton at all to be like all right let's see if they catch this one, catch this one. <laughs> well i'm kind of making it up as i go uh and those guys pour over everything so there's no sneaking anything past them but like i'm filling rooms and you know there's a prison yard and there's a bar are, uh, there's a bell and there's a, a rich villains uh, clubhouse uh, Soho house type environment that's got a hundred. Uh, it it just you just can't help but uh, start self generating little backstories and connections to things and like oh these three kids have this similar helmet because you know they probably did this thing together and that guy's missing an arm from the time that this happened to him and that other half story that I thought of earlier. I feel uh, like Scott, like you'll also bring his <clears throat> back. So like, you know, we never for cats to have super long tails, but there's really some story of something that happened to the cats or they're these, you know, dead husks, what look like some sort of poison. I like yeah. invasion just littered everywhere that were never scripted that Scott's like, Oh, he, there's a whole storyline that happened. That's got added to the city that keeps up. Yeah. So it influenced stuff where we loved that, that there were side story, background side storylines going on. So for volume two, we just gave like, oh, go for super crime. Um, she waged a war against magic, but we'll never see that story. So there's all these little subplots of like people fuming fairies and stuff. <laughs> like they're removing oh. magic from Rayport. And we don't know why. We don't know why. Well, Frankie's beef. Hopefully, there's time to tell that story down the line. But we love giving, like, okay, now Scott can add weird magic removal 
in the background, even though it has no, nothing new story going on. Yeah. But it, it also plays into like a good balance to the story. Cause I mean, obviously a story about villains, it is a little dark. I mean, some of the subjects, you know, obviously you're dealing with prejudice against metas, people are getting killed, but you guys do find a way to place good humor moments in the story. Like, does that come real organically or do you get to a point where it's just like, okay, we just got to kind of lighten the mood up here just for a sec. Patton takes this stuff pretty seriously. So we push him to put <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, I think that a lot of times, I think it's a very, very human thing that when things are very violent and very dark, we will go to humor. And so a lot of times we're not funny. We're doing it to show this is how people deal with stress. You see a lot of times in, in volume one, when people are, it looks like a woman dead and, and people, they're kind of joking about, well, it's one less per person to split the money with. Like they are just fronted with horror and tension. Hey, that's your only reason. And I, I think it's a little bit of a response to um, this idea that, you know, kind of spawns out of like Man 66, that we should be ashamed of the sinness of of superheroes and we should superheroes should be grim and dark and serious all, all the time. Hmm. And my favorite stories are, are those ones are like, let's celebrate the the silliness and craziness of this while still telling, you know, very adult or or even just very stories. So I love I think we all celebrate the craziness of comics and wear it on our sleeves, you know, as opposed to like they wear costumes, but they're really serious yeah. people. And, and Batman does know, his like, taxes too. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I love, I love the insanity of comics, but we got to come up with something this week. So that's why Bizarro exists, and you know, like it, it, that stuff is so fun. So we, we want just as fun as those silver. But still, you know, we're telling a little more of a, of a crime noir. Yeah, because, I mean, it definitely shines through the writing and, and the artwork, too. Because, like I say, there's just so many different elements going on that, yeah, even with, with how dark the story can get at times, there's still something to kind of really shift gears and really give the readers something to really sink their teeth into. And this is just something that when you go pick this up at the shops, this is going to be something you definitely want to really get involved with. Because, like I say, the work you're putting in with creating this new universe, I mean, is really giving fans a different perspective about the typical superheroes story well i think that was always kind of the thing we love is is like i love watchmen it's great not everyone has to be watch sect comics that way whereas i think we want to i guess we want to dissect but we also want to be like also let's celebrate the joy and the silliness and stuff and i think that was always kind of finding that that middle ground of like let's let's investigate but have fun mm -hmm. we like you know cool. yeah. so yeah. i have this question is kind of a silly question i just kind of wonder it when i'm reading comics so anytime I'm reading like Batman or a Wolverine curse word, even if it says very on the front, <laughs> is that nice to actually be able to insert your own curse word and actually write the curse word? So I also love, again, the format of comics where there's been times where I wish it was just like squiggly lines and dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like... miss those because in a way <laughs> it makes your mind rise to the occasion and go, what's the worst thing I can say here? See, I go full like Billy Butcher. <clears throat> and so really <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it, it's weird. I mean, it's once you get, it's almost like have freedom thing, then it's not that fun anymore. Like you, I, you need those restrictions to push against because then it feels dangerous. Yeah. Ah. That's I think at the same time, we sound like they are in Breaking Bad or Terrence, like these are criminals and they're not good. You yeah. know, hmm. this, this is how everyone talks in that. We wanted them to at least feel like they really exist in a, in a crime world. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's like same. when you're, 
Oh, no, go ahead, Lauren. I'll go ahead. To like watching the Arrowverse, like when the bad guys are like, screw you. You're well, like, a bad guy's not going to say that. That's what I was about to say. Like, comic books are silly and fun. This makes me think of just like that it was like their whole okay. thing is they don't cuss. So their whole is like, oh, darn. And they're just embracing the silliness. Yeah, have our again, comics are just, oh, yeah. That weird way, that was Omar Little on The Wire. His whole thing was he mm. never cursed and he yeah. shied people for cursing. Right. That's right. It was that just this weird point. thing of like, That's hey, you don't show. need to be cursing. You don't need to be saying those words that, that are that pretty little mouth and then he kills night yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was polite you know, about it uh speaking of the i do have one lot because this has been sitting in, uh, you guys are all like you said are big big movie fans and you watch things to get you guys hyped up is there a go hype movie to get you just kind of whatever you're feeling at the moment we draw some from so many sources i mean i think every and every source we draw from draws from so many sources so, you know <clears throat> it's a it's a patchwork for us of shows like the wire of comics like suicide squad of, of move uh like um godfather or layer cake layer cake is a huge influence on me of a of the kind of tragedy of let's bring business acumen to our crime endeavor. It's like, guys, that this is not the word you're in the wrong world right now. Right. Like, I just love that feeling of it. Also a great move, killing them softly. Very, very yeah. underrated movie about yeah. exactly how the criminal underworld works. Yeah. Yeah. I would say what's real is I thought I was a cinephile and then I met Patton and uh, <laughs> he has taken up my, my education and where we will, He's shown me all these noirs from the 50s and 60s. And I feel like that gets really filtered in as well. Like seeing these old kind of crime capers. Uh, it's ever expanding. But then we'll also pull from like, you know, a Silver Age Justice League book. Yeah. There's a, there's a movie from the late 40s, one of Don Siegel's earliest movie, Don Siegel, who made Dirty Harry, and um, called The Lineup with Eli Wallin in there. It kind of sums up this whole world, which is if you're going to live outside the law, you've got to be honest. Scott, I quote, which was such a great line it it, it put a bob dylan song that's how great <laughs> that line is but that's kind of the whole basis of this yeah i was gonna wonder scott do you pull we haven't we haven't ever talked about <clears throat> your kind of crime yeah. movie tv stuff like what is, is anything influence you or, or do you go more from the superhero world uh i mean i guess my influence are probably pulled more from other illustrators but i love uh i think if you went through uh there's a there's a maybe amount of Wes Anderson sort of uh, uh, compositions ah. throughout Finer Threats. Uh, more in the like, we pluck to like a wide stage shot, like a one point perspective where we're really seeing everything on a midfield and it's like volume of deal. Uh, I planted those throughout, like often when we cut away to a new fun, big sort of environment that a lot of new visual things to take in. I've, I've put it on like a Wes Anderson sort of shot. Love, love uh, but, uh, you know, my write a script and then I draw it for like three months. So my like, I don't have like a hype, a hype <laughs> of movie exactly because I'm, I'm, it's, it's, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of doing it. Uh, but I definitely go through, like, I'm rewatching The Wire right now. Re nice. However, takes to fit about the specific details of the wire yeah. is how frequent the wire but uh we me and my wife love the first seasons because she's seen any of it which is 
some oh wow new i can rewatch uh once upon a time and once a week i, I love I it so much love that just how i love i man. love movies where it's you're just in a world and you don't really see what the plot is until you like movies they're great like uh everybody wants some or dazed and confused where you're just in the life of these people and then you get an overview at the end of like what the character work was uh nice guys i just watched again oh, that's a great, uh, that's why great movie didn't oh nice God. Guys, make hundred million dollars. We get more nice guys. I was guys gonna movies. say, like, if there's a movie that deserves oh a sequel, it's we need another nice yeah. guys. Yep. Like, I, and Crow, there's no need. Oh like, God. they could jump into that anytime. Yeah. The tone of nice guys is is very similar. I feel like to what I what the world our main title anyway. The sort of like energy and the like gritty sort of like just real world boots on the ground like working working stiff like knocking heads and trying to like do their job of, of like collecting paychecks uh, it feels very similar to me well, maybe think, not in power but it, i think it makes a lot of sense like looking at the artwork that you do for me it's like it's very colorful but there's also like a classic retro vibe that kind of throws mm-hmm. back to some of these i kind of talked to like wes anderson has a very refined like palette mm-hmm. that's you know it's it's almost grainy without being grainy and i think the things that notice from look at when it does feel like a comic book like a classic sick there's a love letter to the 60 plus years of comic book yes. history in there and that's the vibe that i definitely get from your work for sure oh thank you yeah i i mean uh what i i love i love just letting my brain saturate in all of these influence and just and then wipe it clean and see what happens like i'm not intentionally trying to make it pull from one place or the other i'm just whatever my experience and like influences are uh just come out in an organic way of what what i want to see page uh yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun it's the my favorite job i've ever had me too (laughs) (laughs) yeah well before we let you go one final pitch for anybody that does not already have this ordered in their pull list for april 3rd minor threats the fastest way down why should we the comic audience go out to the shops and go get this book um it picks up where the last one left off but it's also a good entry point which is it continues to examine the world of super villainy but now we get to see frankie rise to power um and uh it's her struggle to maintain it and uh, there's a lot of a lot of issues uh from from volume one that follow her some demons uh some new characters uh that we we have our uh, the action, which is a kind of shitty Teen Titans. I guess is the best way to pitch them. <laughs> That's exactly uh, they are shitty Teen Titans. They're shitty Teen Titans who uh, <clears throat> buying the store Rain Tees and Frankie have sold about the death of the Insomniac. So there's a big mystery of who really killed the Insomniac. Threatens to unravel everything that Frankie's built. There's new relationships. Uh, there's there's a romance uh, that we don't want to spoil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just it's Scott just being pushed further and drawing the hell out of this book, and it feels and big while building very and and Frankie's story. And um, there are just sequences that I think are going to blow people away if they like yeah. in the first one from the uh, you know time bubble where he did that page that looked like a yeah. game board, mm-hmm. uh, you know the page of, of scalpel uh, looking inside Frankie and being diagnosed by her organs of what's wrong, you know. 
Uh, all that stuff, I think Scott has has just hit out of the park. However, put it this way, however far you think Frankie will go to hang on to power, she goes way far farther. Mm. can imagine. So just leave it at that. That is saying something. Because if you've read <laughs> Minor Threats Volume 1, which you should, there's no excuse it should not be in your collection, is out via trade paperback right now via Dark Horse Comics. And you should also pick up the alternates too. After reading those stories, there is no way that you can't be excited to go get this in your pull list on April 3rd. Minor Threats, the fastest way down, number one. You definitely want to have it because we're going to be talking about it on Nerd Initiative social media. Trust me about that. In fact, I think we're going to be doing a little turn of page uh, preview episode when we deep dive into volume one for last week of March there. So stay tuned for that. So definitely want to talk about it weekly too. Lauren has been reading these books and on our show, she's... She's the one that got me turned on to it before we even booked this interview was Lauren? Yeah, <laughs> raving about it. And it didn't take me four years like it took me to watch Supernatural. <laughs> Big up yes. Lauren. <laughs> no, Lauren, Lauren has been champion. Old man this. Logan, and I even mailed you the first trade back. Look, that, that's right, the fifth year. We were on the show for Until years, July so. 26th. <laughs> but no, yeah. Thank you to Lauren for turning me on this book because I'm glad she did. Then thank you Yay. guys for creating something so bad, man. Seriously. Yeah. No, Lauren. Thank you for letting us come on your show. Yeah, of course. Oh, thank you. Anytime, no, please, it, please come back on too. Any, after this book comes out, we, we definitely have to talk some diesel. deep dive into this one. <laughs> awesome. All right. We'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about volume two for sure. Yeah. Yes. Thank you wraps so uh, like i say the information to order this book will be in the liner notes as long as well as links to follow all three creators on the social medias because you definitely should and when this book comes out definitely hit us up on nerdinitiative.com and let us know what you think about it but trust me it's you're not going to want to miss this when it drops and definitely want to thank our guests for coming through jordan Patton, and, and scott thank matt and lauren obviously you catch them each and every week on hops geeks news and under initiative.com where we kick off new comic book day coverage every Tuesday and Wednesday, eight or 9am Eastern standard time for new comic book day reviews and so much more. I've been your host, Ken M and we'll end it like we do on turn a page as we always do. When you have a great issue in your hands, such as minor threats, the fastest way down number one, and you see somebody struggling at the comic shops to find something, hand yours off to them. Tell them to turn a page. We'll see you next time. Such waste of time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know Cause anyone who's worth a damn Be worth way more than a picture could ever show You can find the right light Find the right angle And never find your soul And it can feel like a losing battle And this plot is full of holes This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Talk to me A better way to spend our energy Just look up time fable everyone has just one true love all i know is you're across this table and you're all i'm thinking of